I actually find selling things a heck of a lot more vulnerable. I will lose sleep over selling one print. I just think there's something really deep there connected to self-worth and Mm. people paying actual money for something that you've made each time. You're like, "Ah, is this enough? Is that all they want? Shall they add 10 more prints to it? Shall I put a $50 note in there to give (laughs) their money back? (laughs) They can look at it for as long as they want and find fault in it. See, that, that's very vulnerable to me. Like, mm. they can hold it in their hands and find fault. Like, ultimately, yeah. I'm just afraid of people looking at something and not finding it enough. Welcome to another episode of In The Arts. This podcast is a deep dive into the arts industry where I talk to creative professionals about what they do and why they do it. I am your host, Tani Fosdyke, and in this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with one of my favourite cartoonists, Sarah Nagorka. Sarah is mostly known for Gorky, a really relatable cartoon about the moods of everyday life, which you can find on Instagram where she has over 100,000 followers. We talk about how her work is spontaneously created, how she feels about selling her work, the effects of climate anxiety on creative people, and also the ethics of working on Instagram as an artist, and all the problems and joys that ensue with that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Good afternoon, Sarah, aka Gorky. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. Thanks for having me. It's all right. Thanks for being here. Um, just like to start off by asking what type of art, like just broadly speaking, in the arts, whatever, do you enjoy? I think I enjoy any kind of art that is not like mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, a bit like nobody likes to uh, eat their own food. I uh, similarly am always seeking things that are very different to yeah. what I make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like what sort of things have you been seeing, listening? Yeah, sure. Uh, I enjoy watching performance mm-hmm. a lot of I've I've been getting into physical theatre a little bit lately. Um sort of a cross between dance and almost clowning and just people that have amazing control over their expressions and what they're putting out yeah it's fascinating yeah Yeah. as well as like reading books always got something on the go but yeah yeah what are you reading at the moment um i'm very bad at finishing books but i'm usually dipping in and out of quite a few at once um I just finished reading On Earth, On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous, On Earth, You're Briefly Gorgeous mm-hmm. by Ocean Vuong. Um, um, often reading David Sedaris. He has lots of short stories. <laughs> yeah. Very amusing and, yeah, things like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. I never actually met someone else who does that. I do that too. Like I'll be watching one TV show at a time, but with books I'll have like six I'm reading over like a year and I'll just be like I'm in the mood for this one today or this one but maybe, maybe there'll be like one I'm like devouring but yeah. usually there's like just a couple yeah <laughs> it's, that's it, isn't yeah. it it's moods like mm. people are like what are you reading at the moment and it's like well if I'm in this mood I'll read this book if I'm in that mood I'll read that book mm. and I don't read them in order either I very annoyingly for some people I open it up in the middle <gasps> wow. and I read a few chapters and if I like it I might go to the end or I might go to the start wow. <laughs> it's a bit stupid what if it's like a narrative yeah, yeah. even so Crazy. I'm sort of like you've really got to win me over and then I'll read the whole thing yeah okay I guess it makes sense because maybe like some books are very strong in the beginning and then the, like the author kind of winds mid through midway through so you kind yeah. of have to um that's a good. That's a good strategy. No, it's probably really rude. Yeah, I probably shouldn't do it. I probably should read it the way the author's intended, but I don't know. It's just the way I do it. 
And so as like an audience um, or a consumer rather than as an artist, what does art do for you? Uh, it definitely um, gives me a different angle. Like it's just a relief to get out of your own brain even momentarily and get a different perspective. Um, so that's the main thing. Just like it's like a shower for your brain, I suppose. Yeah. Because um, so easy to just like have the same internal voice over and over. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. Definitely. Do you remember your first connection with art? Um, it definitely would have been a religious thing because I was mm. raised really, um, I was raised quite conservatively Christian. And um, I think I probably one of the earliest things is my grandparents had this massive picture of an angel guiding two little children over this bridge. And it was very green. I don't know whether that's like a 70s kind of thing, but mm. it just had sort of a greenish hue. Um, that used to hang over the fireplace and that that's pretty like strong in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, that and stained glass windows and that kind of mm. thing. Yeah. 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 And so growing up, did you when did you start kind of practicing? Did you naturally gravitate towards drawing and cartooning or was there other things that you were up to? Yeah, my mother was very actively involved in my education, not like during school, but she like started to teach me how to read and things before I went to school and also mm. would make paint for me out of like flour and just encourage me yeah. to like paint the walls, not inside, but definitely outside. <laughs> and um, she just definitely encouraged creativity in me. So I'm not sure about art exactly, but just expression mm. and especially expressions of emotion definitely encouraged and that's probably more the basis of my art than yeah fine art background or something yeah yeah Yeah. so did you um I wanted to ask you like when did you find your voice was it like very linked to being able to articulate your emotions yeah it's interesting that you say find your voice because initially um I'd say songwriting was probably my Mm -hmm. first more formalized expression oh, of cool. kind of yeah. things. So probably when I was about um, 16 or so, I was like, oh, I like writing. Um, I didn't really have a voice for it yet, but I was like, oh, I like writing. I like music. Why don't I just write songs? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was probably the first thing I tried to do that was really my own. Mm. Um, although I did have a comic strip when I was 12, Cute. Called Sharp Sheep. I grew up in a sheep farm. <laughs> so dorky, but I'm still quite dorky, so I suppose it's fitting. Um, yeah, and but it didn't really feel like my own, whereas songwriting in yeah. terms of finding a voice, mm. that's the first thing that kind of felt like mine. That's cool. For some reason, yeah. Were you a singer as well? Or? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I started singing because I couldn't sing regular songs in commas. <laughs> yeah um I didn't have a high voice and usually female parts are quite high so yeah like, stuff it I'll write my own that are really low <laughs> oh that's great yeah that's great yeah and when was Gorky born yeah or emerge or yeah. <laughs> oh, I think maybe it was like five or six years ago mm-hmm. um I was trying to find a new identity basically because I'd been in another industry and I was just trying to work out what my new thing will be. And initially it was more out of commercial reasons that I called it gawky. I was mm. going to do like informational videos kind of thing. Yeah, I was okay. like, what do I brand myself as? Mm-hmm. And then somehow it turned into this like personal outpouring of emotion (laughs) wow yeah yeah I can't remember the exact Mm -hmm. I think I called myself Gork first yeah because it's a derivative of my last name Nagorka Ah, yeah I would get called Gorka and other things at school and uni so yeah but I changed it to Gorky Gorky. it's a bit softer (laughs) yeah yeah I always wondered that because um isn't there like another artist called Gorky yeah, there's yeah. Lots, it's actually quite a common word in kind of Eastern Europe and even uh, in Russia. There's okay. like a park, like this infamous park called Gorky Park. Gorky Park. In Russia. <laughs> and there's soccer players and all kinds of 
people with the word gawky in their name. <laughs> yeah. Not so much in Australia. Yeah. yeah. And who, like, who has Gorky kind of developed to be in 2019? Oh, good question. Always restless. <laughs> um, always looking at the next thing rather than um, rather than being satisfied with where things are. At. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very introspective, of course. Do a lot of navel gazing. Who is Gorky? I feel like you'd be able to answer that better than I can. If you're oh. on the side, it's too hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you, do you feel like as time has gone by, there's been a distinction between um, Sarah and Gorky or are they more merged together? I think there's become more of a distinction. Mm-hmm. It's become more obvious to me over time what I'm doing with, like, the character of Gorky. Mm-hmm. It is still very much me. Like, it is definitely an honest um, output, like it is definitely me, but I'm not just cocky. <laughs> it's yeah. a part of me and yeah. it's an amplified part of me. Like, yeah. Yeah. I suppose the way I describe it to people is sometimes people think that gawky and therefore I am depressed, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I suppose I, I will feel a feeling and it might be fleeting but as mm. soon as you put it on paper, it suddenly carries more weight and people mm. can stare at it for as long as they want or and it sort of exists more permanently. Mm. And I think from that, people think that you're describing a permanent state that you're in, mm. whereas it's often just a fleeting dip in and out of these existential moments. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, so in that way, it's different to Sarah. Mm-hmm person <laughs> yeah and I guess you're kind of putting the deepest parts of you as well and you're not gonna just see kind of like you know the mind blanks during the day and yeah that sort of thing um although I do try I do yeah. try it's it's kind of is my task I'm trying to describe what the mundane things are yeah there's a lot of work that deals with extremes and I'm trying to deal with sort of the everyday existentialism mm. yeah 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 yeah, and how often are you making these cartoons? Are they all the time? All the time, all the <laughs> several time. times a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where will you be? Is it mostly in your studio or on the bus? Or oh, I'll have to stop my bike. I'll just draw on the side <laughs> of the road. I mean, you've seen how crappy my photos are. <laughs> I um, yeah, sometimes in the studio, sometimes in my house. Actually, a big thing is just when I'm about to leave somewhere, mm-hmm. there's something about procrastination and not like it not being the time to make art that will suddenly mm. make you want to make art. I don't know if you find this, mm. but as soon as I put my helmet on, I'm suddenly struck with heaps of ideas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Damn it. So I'll be like there with a pen and my bike up against the wall. Like, like oh, yeah. just get this thing out. And then, like, an hour later, I'm still there with my helmet on. Oh, my God. I do that, like, because I'm always, like, stuck in traffic and when I'm doing my commute, I'll grab, like, my notebook, like, on the steering wheel and I'm just, like, getting all these thoughts out because it just, like, happens in the most mundane moment when you're, like, got to be doing going somewhere that's not that exciting or something. Then you're, like, aha, uh-huh, this is, like, totally what's in my head now. Totally, because I think that's exactly how your brain works. Like focusing directly on a problem or a concept rarely brings results. It's like mm. when you suddenly switch, that's when your brain can be like, I'll have a bit of that, thank you. And then suddenly the solution is there or the, yeah. the idea is there. So, yeah. yeah. Have you ever had a, in the like, so Gorky's about six years old, you mm. were saying, has it ever been a um, writer's block, Gorky block during that time? Not a block, but certainly a discontentment with mm. what I'm producing. Never a block. Like I'll just produce all kinds of rubbish or things that I think are not worth saying. But I'll just sort of put it out there anyway because that's part of what Gorky is. Mm. It's this kind of like unashamed my work isn't the bee's knees but yeah. here's what's happening in my brain. Mm. Is yours that? dull as well yeah. kind of thing <laughs> yeah. like or trying to be grandiose when you're not like yeah it just is kind of a reveal all 
And sometimes it worries me that that's lost on people and they Mm -hmm. think that I'm putting things out that I think are amazing or really profound. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm just going for the everyday thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. I might come back to that in a moment, but I thought I might just ask you that um, about kind of what you do outside of Gorky. You recently worked as an artist for Google. Mm. Um, So what sort of stuff were you doing there for that period? Yeah, I – my role there was not so much of an artist. It was more working alongside artists. Mm -hmm. Um, So a little bit of a production and project management and a little bit of design. Mm. Um, So I was working in a team called Creative Lab, which Mm. um, deals with projects, experimental projects, along the borders of art and technology. Um, So some of those things are still yet to be released or will never be released, so I won't talk about them, but, like, we did a lot of um, projects around augmented reality Mm. and a little bit of machine learning. Um, Yeah, that wasn't – that was a bit of a year out of the ordinary for me Mm. that I've previously done a lot of work in sort of the art science space, but art tech not so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly used to be more in the science world. That's kind mm. of the other side of my life, but, um, yeah, just working it out at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so there's kind of like art, science and tech. Essentially. Yeah. 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 Do you find they easily kind of, um, intercept in your mind or do you find they're kind of islands? Definitely not islands. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I think it would be a rare person that would find them islands nowadays yeah everyone's all about intersections of everything at the moment so yeah yeah, they definitely feed each other yeah um kind of going back to yeah you're kind of talking about um your your sketches and um how kind of connects to your mind um kind of observing them they they seem you know quite spontaneous um composition wise and how they come out but they're also like quite precise and very seamlessly relatable because often I'll look at them and I'll be like oh wow that's like exactly how I feel and it's just kind of a very lovely visual depiction of that so what sort of like level of planning goes into those works and are they ever revised or anything like that oh they're constantly revised but what is on the page when you see it is probably something I haven't revised a lot in my head, but then I might go and make another another public revision, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So yeah. I find the more I think about something, the less people relate to it. Yeah. Because they're just scrolling through. They haven't been thinking mm. about this topic. They just want something that is immediately accessible. Yeah. And I'm probably most interested at the moment in things that are immediately accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they are spontaneous. Yeah. And I often have regret about the wording of something later. Yeah. And I might go in and destroy the actual original, but it's up online now and wow. I try not to delete things, although occasionally I That's do. That's so interesting that you might destroy the original, but it's kept archived online where it's public. I know. And then, and then your, like, personal Silly. copy is gone. <laughs> I don't know why I do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and do you, um, focus much on printmaking, um, any of your favorites? What was that? Any of, um, my... any of like the ones that you quite like, do you focus on printmaking those at a later date? Yeah. There are certain ones that I, I like that I don't mind reproducing and yeah. then others, um, I might get contacted directly and people say, please make a print. Yeah. And I might be like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> but there is one called Pick a Life, which is mm-hmm. just a series of simple lines. Like A is a straight line. Mm. B is this wriggly line. Yeah. Which is the most favorite. Most people want to have a wriggly line life, apparently. Yeah. C is like this upward sloping life. And D, I can't even remember. Anyway, that's probably one that I don't mind reproducing. I think mm-hmm. it's simple and works well as a print. But um, because of the nature of the way I draw, sometimes I just don't think they're worthy of making prints. <laughs> like, really? You want that? 
so tattoos scrutinizing. as well. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that'd be funny. Go nuts. <laughs> I mean, sorry to anyone who's got a tattoo. And I love them all, like my children. <laughs> You're like, oh, that thing. People <laughs> are funny what they want. Yeah. It never ceases to uh, amuse me. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, it'd be cool to talk more about that like emotional connection you have with your work and even you're like so you're talking about how you self scrutinize them after they've even come out so um you're quite frank and kind of you know confronting those kind of odd things in life or complicated emotions um but you're doing this you know you're saying like in a self-reflective way but you're saying you know time's gone on you've better separate that a little bit more how do you but how, how do you maintain that level of personal vulnerability because it must be terrifying sometimes to put these personal reflections online yeah I actually don't find it that vulnerable unless I'm in a really bad kind of neurotic state Mm -hmm. where I'm like your work is so shallow Mm. you can feel a bit vulnerable then but honestly because I don't speak about specifics that much Mm -hmm. I don't find it that vulnerable so a lot of my friends will who are also artists and uh, let's say they do things in the mental health arena or something, they're often a lot more specific about things, yeah. but there's something about the vagueness of mine um, that is less vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I actually find selling things a heck of a lot more vulnerable. Really? I will lose yeah. sleep over selling one print. I just wow. I find it so hard. <laughs> yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Oh, I just think there's something really deep there connected to self-worth and people paying actual money yeah for something that you've made oh, i don't know i find it really hard and it's yeah. only getting mildly easier yeah over the years like it, i if anyone has any good advice i am all ears <laughs> wow that's so interesting um yeah i yeah. feel i'm even talking about it i can feel it like in my, chest, <laughs> in my stomach i find it so hard <laughs> do you like so do you so much many prints or are you kind of um are you quite protective of those do you think if people hound me down i yeah. will sell but man they've got to ask me a few times <laughs> <laughs> wow um, yeah this is why i sell a calendar mm-hmm. because to me that's like 12 prints all at once yeah it's kind of easy and cheap and after a while you sell enough that you don't think about it too much yeah whereas if it's just an individual print that's going yeah. out each time you're like oh, is this enough is that yeah. all they want shall they add 10 more prints to it shall i put a 50 dollar note in there to <laughs> give their money back <laughs> <laughs> do you find um it's because it's like a physical item going into someone's home is that part of that yeah definitely they can look at it for as long as they want Mm. and find fault in it see that that's very vulnerable to me like Mm. they can hold it in their hands and find fault like ultimately i'm just afraid of people looking at something and not finding it enough like yeah yeah it goes quite deep yeah something about it yeah, just being found to not be enough. Yeah. Is. Ugh. Yeah, that's terrifying. It is. It, I don't talk about this often. I'm, about I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, wow. that's so interesting. You <laughs> should get therapy again. <laughs> um, do you ever purchase other people's artwork? Yeah, quite often. Do you ever do that to them? You're just like, this is. Um, this is not enough. <laughs> no, never not. This is not enough. But of course, I analyze it mm. because I'm like. Interesting. Nice packaging choice. This is yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and what about, you know, because there's like the very, you know, emotionally invested aspect. What about humor? Do you think humor is important in your work? Yeah, I don't actively set out to make things funny. I mm. just I just think the world is quite absurd. So if there's an element of sort of absurd humor or mm something in there it's just because that's how I see it I haven't tried to I I think cartooning in general like when you think of cartoons I'm thinking of like the old style New Yorker I know it's changed a lot in the past few years with different editors but if you think of traditional cartoons there's quite a forced humor about a lot of Mm, them yeah and so 
I don't ever want to do that, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if I find myself trying, mm. that's when I sort of just stop. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if there's humor in there, it's because I felt like it was funny at the time. Yeah, yeah. Not because I've tried to inject it. Yeah. That was a very long response to a very simple question. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. And what, like, so what sort of mood do you think you're pursuing? I don't think I'm pursuing a particular mood. Mm-hmm. Maybe just curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to drive a particular feeling. Yeah. Just like an interest in how in your internal world. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not so much an interest in my internal world. I'm just mm-hmm. intrigued. Like often my things are supposed to be questions. Yeah. For other people. Like do you do you think this too? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So maybe curiosity. Curiosity. Cool. And kind of going um, more into the context of where you're working, a lot of your work is online, so you're operating quite a lot as an artist on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of the first generations of people to do that and to grow as an artist on Instagram. Like, I can't think maybe past five years ago, like, who, how many people were doing that. Um, so we could want to talk about the ethics of that because often people will be resharing your works and maybe um, – editing them or tattooing them i think recently you had someone embroider your work mm. so h- how do you feel about that way of people interacting with you i am still working out on a case-by-case mm. basis how i feel about it yeah um it completely depends who who is doing it and why and even what attitude they approach yeah. you with mm-hmm. um so I, I'm sure there's a lot of art theorists that have written much more intelligent things about this yeah. than what I'm about to say. But, um, yeah, I'm finding it's really evolving. Like I mm. used to be – like at one stage I had an exhibition um, in Preston and Balkan Gallery when that was still open um, where people could actually take my work off the walls and photocopy it. I had an oh, old cool. school photocopier yeah. in there. Um, and that was kind of my response to screenshotting work. I was like, what if you made that into an actual physical oh, cool. copying of the work mm. in front of the artist? See how comfortable people yeah, feel see, then. And they were very comfortable. They were like, oh, <laughs> And they're like lining up and yeah, <laughs> took yeah. all the work off the walls. It was really interesting. Um, but like I was openly asking them to do it. But um I think I used to be more chill with it. Yeah. Like, sure, everyone use it. And now yeah. I'm like, hang on. Yeah. This is putting me in a really awkward spot. Everybody's using my work for marketing of yeah. their particular business or brand. Mm. Um, why isn't that getting paid for? Yeah. Um, I think I've even seen, like, um, someone asked on Instagram, kind of, you know, call out companies and say, like, you know, this is theft. Like, this is my work. You haven't paid for it and you're profiting off my creative production have you Mm. ever called anyone out or uh when big brands don't even tag you don't even bother to do reverse Mm. google image search to find out who owns this thing yeah um very easy thing to do um i have all i do is contact them and say look it's my work please go to the effort to try and find out who made it at Mm. least um and you know yeah, I, I, I don't like getting bitter about these things. I've yeah. seen a lot of artists in lots of different fields, whether it's music and the changing of how that gets distributed, yeah. be bitter and, and not be able to move on. And, like, I think if there's anything that creatives can do, it's be creative about how to um, craft, like, a career in the future. Like, we just have yeah. to turn our attention to how to make money mm. um, given the circumstances doesn't mean not standing up for your rights. But, um, Mm. yeah, I have been thinking about it a lot lately in terms of because our ability to make money from this kind of service approach, like Mm. we'll provide art that will help your brand kind of thing, we're not getting paid for that licensing or reuse of our work. So a lot of us are turning to making objects, products, mass-produced products like t-shirts mm. prints etc mm. and then I've noticed within myself and other artists we've come across like climate change all this pressure to uh not 
be producing, not creating waste, not, mm. and we're just like, oh no, like where do I sit with yeah. using resources, making all this stuff? So it's it's quite a challenging space at the moment to make a living. Yeah, um, and I certainly feel that conflict a lot. Mm. So I'm actually yeah looking for <laughs> looking for answers and and actively thinking about that very thing. At yeah. The moment, so, yeah. yeah, that's like difficult. How, kind of being like this cognitive dissonance between being self-sustaining but also ethical. Absolutely. Yeah. I just keep coming back to like, if you carry that thought to its very end point, mm. you turn into kind of like an anti-natalist, or like yeah. you have to take yourself off the earth because everybody has an impact. Yeah. Uh, kind of through no choice of our own we're here mm. now we haven't we have a footprint yeah um yeah what do you do with that and yeah definitely yeah it's uh, an exciting problem though yeah <laughs> i always like feel for people who work in fashion um, yeah. in this moment because they're like their entire thing is kind of you know using a lot of materials conversation for another day but i can imagine that being quite confronting absolutely yeah. and and then people say oh yes yes climate change causing you anxiety it's like no not at all <laughs> no i don't think about it at all it's it's not uh, it's not occupying my dreams nothing yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah i'm thinking about it constantly yeah like, same i was getting onto a, f- a flight <laughs> the stupidest thing so when the um the last school strike was on mm-hmm. um i was in europe and i was about to come home and I was like, you know what? Like, I don't actually think I'm totally across the science of climate change. Um, so what I did was, and I, I felt it was a bit silly because I just helped program an environmental film festival. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna sit down with the Wikipedia page of um, about climate change and just learn how it all works. Mm. And I was just destroyed after. And then I had to get on a plane, which just felt like horrible because it's like, you know, the CO two emissions. And now I'm just like. Um, the director of the film festival was saying, oh, you know, I really feel for my programmers and, you know, we offer them counselling and stuff because of all the films they're watching. And I'm just like, it was the Wikipedia page for me. But just like the cold hard facts. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit of a tangent, but, you know. It no, is quite, I can yeah. relate a lot. For me, it was yeah. reading um, resources by an organisation called Breakthrough. Mm. Um, and again, like researching the actual science behind it, like, what is global warming? Where are they measuring? Are they measuring yeah. the sea? Are they measuring the atmosphere? Mm. Where? How long have they been doing it? Just finding out the facts. And sorry, I keep calling it climate change. Obviously, there's like issue with that. It should be a yeah. climate crisis, etc. It's uh, yeah, but I think your reaction makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, it's in- insane because I think we, 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 we summarize, like with a lot of discourse, you, you, you can summarize problems when you kind of get to the nitty-gritty details. It's kind of like, wow, you know, um, especially when you see how many scientists are in agreement, you know, about they're like, you know, we don't even think we can avoid this. We're just going to have to figure out how to mitigate it and how to adapt. And we might not be able to, by the mm-hmm. way, guys. And it's just like, oh what like <laughs> yeah and then you walk into a job interview and they're like where do you see yourself in five years yeah like, uh. <laughs> oh wow oh maybe we should switch to a more positive oh um, why oh why, why? <laughs> um so yeah going back to like working off instagram so that's kind of like the more negative side of that but then there's also the positives that you can have this like really instantaneous community mm. so what has been that um process like for you building up community and be able to interact with them in the comments and things like that yeah absolutely it's amazing i mean who would have thought that people outside of australia would care about my work yeah like um and support my work and and get it like get what i'm trying to do Mm. um that it has been very surprising like people engaging with it and not just I mean, I get a lot of like, oh, that's so me, or I feel attacked yeah. in, in a way. <laughs> like, um, and that's cool. Like, I love it mm. when people relate on that level. But some people just get so into it and will analyze oh. things and yeah. send me questions. And I'm just like, oh, it's um, it's quite amazing. And mm. sometimes it's good to stop and just, yeah, 
be grateful for that because mm. you can get a bit carried away with some of the negative signs of it. And, yeah. Um, or just get carried away with trying to make a, a living because that can be stressful. Yeah. And sometimes it's just nice to be like, wow, strangers are reacting to my work. Yeah. Um, who would have thought that would happen? Yeah. yeah. And do you like engaging with them back if they're trying to start a dialogue? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. Um, occasionally I don't have the like emotional energy for it, but, um, usually it's a great part of my work. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Have you ever seen your work taken out of context with people? Oh, yeah. Share? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I have. <laughs> I have seen it taken out of context aesthetically. I've seen yeah. it. Oh, I've seen the colors changed i've seen it put on engraved into wood i've seen it like <laughs> like you know that, like that's fine it's kind of funny um but i've seen it taken out of context i've seen people cross out words that i've written and write their own <laughs> once someone crossed something out and instead replaced it with like equals sign love or something and i was like a doesn't make sense. B still doesn't make sense. What? Just, I don't... just make your own drawing. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've seen a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. I'm trying to think of more concrete examples. They've they've passed me by, but big yes. Yeah. I I think um I'm not sure if I'm I'm bringing this to your attention or not. Uh. I, a very controversial Instagram influencer went viral recently and do you know who I'm talking I know. about? Yep. Yeah. Um, and she she shared one of your things and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> I have a problem if they share yeah. it. Like, yeah. That's fine. They're a, they're a human, human. Relating to the messiness and inside their own heads. Um, I get, whenever I do something self-love, yeah. sorry, shouting, um, self, <laughs> some self-love related posts, uh, the lingerie accounts will go off. Ah, uh, yeah. That gets shared over and over, and it's always lingerie. How interesting. I just feel like I should get something free yeah. out of that. <laughs> <laughs> In exchange, you just, like, invoice them, like, a couple pairs of lingerie. Yeah, not you. even yeah. as a joke. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're talking big accounts here. Yeah, oh, my like, God. I think you could spare something. <laughs> it's kind of like an interesting social experiment being on Instagram and just seeing, like, what sort of communities react and what sort of people react and yeah. you share and yoga relate. And like yoga and lingerie. Mm-hmm. Do you find there's like um a lot of people who are like young women as well, like majority of people who are engaging with you or is it kind of cross the board different oh, people? Absolutely. I've I've got the stats on that. It's yeah. Uh, shout out to all the men that do follow me, but it's eighty seven percent women. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and That's I have cool, no idea yeah. what the stats are for Instagram as a whole. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. That's cool. female-focused. Awesome. Yeah. That's good. You know, good content for, for women. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of cartooners were, like, were men in the past. Yeah. Do you agree? I mean, I yeah, probably, I, probably I mean, I, honestly, I don't even know that much about the history yeah. of cartooning. <laughs> but certainly, like, the big editors were. Yeah. Um, I, again, refer to the New Yorker. Um, yeah, it certainly had a sort of masculine energy about it. Mm. But I'm sure, I mean, there's, there's Judy Horacek from Australia mm-hmm. who is a well-known um, cartoonist. Um, yeah, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Neither am I. I was just, I'm sure like every industry has been <laughs> dominated That's in the past. That's what I was going to say. And then I was like, no, I think uh, add a bit more nuance. Yeah. <laughs> See if you can find something. Examples, <laughs> examples. Um, but yeah, but you, you're not entirely digital, as you were saying. You kind of do make concrete sort of items, like, mm-hmm. you know, shirts and you do, um, you know, your calendars and things. And you're also based in a studio. So what what, what is that in, um, the importance of that to you, having kind of like a physical space and making physical items? Yeah, it's honestly, it's more about having somewhere to go, even if I don't do anything mm-hmm. like sometimes I might just go there and snack and then write <laughs> actually that's not true so much anymore but certainly in the early days mm-hmm. when I didn't have as many freelancing jobs or 
um, yeah, it would just be a place to have a conversation with someone, know that mm. I've been somewhere that day and not fall into the mental pit of just staying at home. Yeah. Um, so it's very important in that regard. But nowadays it's more about storage as much as anything. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I put all my sketchbooks somewhere, I put all my postage um, yeah. stuff somewhere. and um, It can be like a little bit out of sight, out of mind once you yeah. go home. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's true too, having boundaries. Yeah. yeah. And what about being in a studio? Do you, um, do you find much value in being around other creative people? Yeah, and it's always different. Like I'm currently in a studio that has a lot of people that make incredibly detailed kind of craft mm-hmm. items, so weavers and glass makers and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and that has a different vibe to previous places where I was uh, there with sort of more commercial mm. uh, design workers and um, knowledge workers, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So always bring something really different to your practice and it definitely influences it, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in ways you might not expect. Yeah. yeah. But but just the human connection is so important. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Outside of your studio, do you have um, much connections with other people in the cartooning community or art community in Melbourne? Or even internationally. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly connected with a lot of Instagram artists yeah. and cartoon, Insta cartoonists mm. um, internationally. Yeah. Um, America is still the place to be pretty much if you mm. if you want to be a cartoonist. Yeah. Um, so it's good to connect with them online. In terms of the art community here, I'm probably more connected with the science community, oh, to Oh, interesting, be yeah. Um, I'm getting more connected with the art community. Mm. Um but probably my strongest connections are in that intersection space, that yeah. art, science, kind of performance, tech, mm. those kinds of areas. It probably keeps your mind open as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you're worried about some some design problem you have, you just go to a performance event and you're like, oh, who cares? Who cares if I got yeah. the bleed line of that wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I... I was kind of stuck more in the visual arts space for a while and then I this year I've seen like a lot of theatre mm. and I was like, oh, I just love how forward it is. It's just kind of like you, there's no guessing what it's about. You can kind of just see it and it's so like in your face and I love that about performance. Yeah. Um, it's very immediate. Yes. In some ways, kind of like. But you still have to spend time with it. Structured immediate. Yeah. With, with, with like visual art, you kind of like – it doesn't have the time. We can just look at things for like it's like an the average person looks at a piece of art for six seconds, oh, which is depressing. <laughs> really? Yeah. Maybe yeah. think about I'm cry. <laughs> and that's but that's like a museum stat, which is like almost even sadder because like you know there's these. That's not even Instagram. It's yeah. Probably like three seconds. Yeah. Minus three seconds. Yeah. So it's just kind of like don't have the like the attention from people for that long. But then with theatre I find that you're kind of like forced to sit there for two hours and really ruminate on the story they're telling you and the themes that they're conveying to you and thinking and about it. And it can be boring. Yeah. It yeah. can quite frankly be boring. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Get me out. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's good. It's not a bad thing. It's good. Cool. And I wanted to like talk a bit more about kind of like the industry of cartooning. Um I guess I I don't know much about it. Oh, I follow a few few cartoonists on Instagram, so I'm not sure what what it what it is like as like an industry per se. Um but like what sort of um sort of value does it have in 2019 or do you think it's a popular form of art to engage with well i think this is good that we're coming off the back of the six second uh fact that you just Mm. threw out there (laughs) people stare at art for six seconds i think you need all the tools you can if that's the case and so the combination of the visual and the text Mm. has really come into its own yeah weirdly enough in Mm. in this digital age oh I sound like I'm 50 saying digital age (laughs) but yeah in this digital age we've got Mm. such a short attention span so yeah um yeah and video will like 
moving image will always be up there in terms of keeping people's attention but mm. for this very instantaneous like moment the cartooning has got a bit of a moment in history at the moment I think yeah, yeah. I kind of like read something somewhere that graphic novels are kind of making you know strides they're kind of like a really popular form of people to engage with yeah Wait, so you, do you think it comes down to attention span or is there anything else do you think that attention yeah. span and also this glut of information mm. um Cartooning is often very reductive and in that way, not reductive um, conceptually, no, reductive conceptually, but not in a kind of, I'm not making a value judgment on it. I Mm. just mean purely that it um, reduces concepts and makes things clearer um, in a way that's so necessary at the moment because Mm. everyone's just in a fog of information and really fast information. Yeah. Yeah. so, yeah, I can totally understand why graphic novels are popular at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like helping people pro- like process complex ideas and moments into kind of like really yeah. simple yeah. Um, yeah. sort of like – and the text does help as well, I think, so people mm-hmm. don't have to kind of think too abstractly. Yeah, totally. Um, kind of all the legwork has been done by the artist. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if this is kind of like a passe thing to talk about, but just because it's like kind of current events when we're, when we're recording, this is probably being released like months later. But for people who are listening next year, um, back in October when we're recording, very popular Australia cartoonist, I probably can't pronounce his name, Michael Lunick? Lunick, yeah. Lunick, yeah. Um, he recently did a cartoon that was a mum on her phone and – the baby had fallen out of the pram and it just kind of caused a lot of backlash. It was quite condescending. And I think the text that went with it was more condescending than the cartoon itself. It was like, oh, the mother loves her phone more than the baby, something like that. Mm. Um, but it kind of did cause a lot of backlash. And I just saw article after article, like kind of criticizing him. Um, so I was just wondering what your thoughts are on that. Do cartoons need to please the masses and do they need to be helping the community as a whole they need to please the masses if that's what you want to do yeah you need to help the community if that's what you want to do yeah I don't know that that's necessarily what he wants to do so yeah um yeah I am not a mother so I didn't feel super strongly about it but I can understand why people did I I think it might have just touched a nerve because um it's what we all wonder Uh, I think whether we're doing things in a kind of like right way or and then if someone says yeah you are doing it wrong it's like obviously gonna touch a nerve yeah um yeah I think I I don't think it was very tasteful but you know yeah that's gonna happen from time to time (laughs) yeah yeah I think I don't think he necessarily cares yeah. And maybe that's more of the issue. Yeah, that he wants to kind of get I have no close. idea. I don't know him personally. I once no. smiled at him in a fruit store <laughs> ten years ago. <laughs> but yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, did he smile back? Or was he just like Yeah, he but- smiled back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean who couldn't at this face? Yeah. How open it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, like, in the context of his work, I kind of understand why people are upset because he's done, like, anti-vaccination stuff and um, anti-women going to work, anti-abortion. Yeah. Which I was like, okay. But apparently his – and you might know this – his sister is also a very popular cartoonist. Mary Lunick. Yeah, Yeah, she is amazing. She's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You should definitely – yeah. Not you. Yeah. Everyone, please <laughs> check out Mary Looning's work. Yeah, she's um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, kind of going off that, have you ever offended people with your work? I know it's not very offensive, but do you yeah, ever struck a... work is not edgy yeah. enough to offend yeah. people. I think I offended my mum for putting too much swearing in things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, aside from that, I have no... No... Um, false idea that my work is uh, powerful enough to <laughs> it's very safe <laughs> so how dare you be sad <laughs> yeah no <laughs> um and cool like just to finish off what can we see from you in the next 12 months 
Ooh. I'm hoping to get more off the page, I think. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, I have a bit of a background in performance and I'm itching to do whether yeah. this is a an iteration of Gorky or whether it's a Sarah mm. thing. Um Yeah, I'm hoping to do a little bit more performance work, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um that's vague. Yeah. Because I'm still working it out. Yeah. <laughs> um and also just get out in the real world world more with possibly an exhibition or some workshops and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, I'm itching to get off the screen. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah, talk to some more people and yep, use your get body out of my yeah. head. Thank you so much for plugging in and listening to my little podcast today. If you want to hear more of In The Arts, episodes are on all podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Wherever you find your podcast, it will be there. And these are released each Thursday, probably until early March, unless, of course, I decide to make some more. Admittedly, though, this is a bit of an experiment for me. I have no performance or public speaking experience, um, so I'm coming to this very green so it would mean the world to me if you could let me know if you are listening and enjoying the show you can do so by subscribing on one of those podcast apps you can leave a review which would be lovely or you could even just do something like popping a screenshot of the episode in your instagram story you can tag me my instagram is tan super dry like the beer han super dry i'll pop this on the show notes again thanks for listening